So I'm hanging out with uh, Art Rosengarten today, and uh, if you haven't listened to my previous interview with him, you might want to check that out. Uh, but four years ago, I did a series of, of podcasts asking different readers the question, why do some people change and why do other people not? And uh, Art was one of the people that I interviewed about that. And you can find that on the podcast page at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Um, we, we don't really revisit that so much this time, um, but instead I think that it is present in the conversation, uh, in the optimism and the idea of uh, how do we be present with people and help them change. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices, into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes and download them all directly that way. So and just before the podcast starts, I want to mention that if you are looking to uh, deepen uh, your practice around reading the cards, uh, there is a growing uh, series of uh, recorded classes, uh, streaming videos, uh, take them on your own time uh, kind of courses uh, on the Tarot de Marseille, on the Toth deck, and a foundations class for people who are just looking to round out their practice. All of these classes include uh, some of the most amazing teachers uh, from all around the world, uh, and of course myself as well. Um, so if you're interested in taking some courses, uh, especially as the summer is rolling around, maybe you're going to find some time on your hand and want to play with the cards more, please uh, go to thehermitslamp.com and just click on the learning tab to uh, check out all the courses as well as any live upcoming events that are on their way to you. So welcome to the newest installment of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I'm here this way this week with uh, Art Rosengarten, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Jungian psychology and tarot cards, and uh, maybe we'll talk about sand play as well, because this is something that's uh, really interesting to me, and I think uh, has a relevance to working with cards and for people out there. So, But before we get into the conversation, uh, for people who don't know who you are, Art, um, you know, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist uh, living in San Diego, California. Uh, I've been uh, seriously engaged with the tarot since uh, the mid-70s. And actually, I, I first learned uh, that it was introduced to the tarot in uh, graduate school uh, in San Francisco, uh, where I was, I was getting a degree in um, uh, integral psychology, and uh, from that point on, I saw the tremendous potential in the symbolism of tarot cards for um, you know therapy work, working with people. It just seemed like you know, the cards seemed so obviously psychological 
to me. And um, by psychological, um, you know, I'm really referring more to depth psychology, like Jungian-based psychology and transpersonal psychology that really, uh, in terms of the, you know, the range of psychologies that are, that are currently operating, uh, these are on the far, uh, the far left of mainstream psychology, you could say, because they're uh, spiritually oriented psychologies and, uh, and use uh, symbols and uh, dreams and um, uh, states of consciousness and uh, awareness um, as uh, extremely uh, relevant aspects of uh, psychotherapy. Um, so that's kind of my my uh, introduction. Um, I went on to write the the first uh, doctoral dissertation on the tarot, uh, which is an interesting study. I won't I won't go into the great details, but I, it was basically an empirical study where I compared uh, tarot readings to dream analysis and projective storytelling, and it was a very interesting project. Um, and then, um, uh, after I got my PhD, uh, I moved down south to San Diego to do my uh, postdoc in uh, more or less a conventional psychiatric hospital. Um, and from, from since that time, I've been in private practice. Um, I uh, began to teach the tarot um, oh, maybe 25 years ago. Um, I was at one point uh, uh, certified in, in the state of California to offer continuing education courses for licensed therapists in the tarot, which was, was pretty, pretty unique. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was great. And uh, so I um, then I began teaching the tarot uh, in what I call tarot circles. Um, and typically, and I've had maybe six runs of tarot circles over the last 20 years. Um, uh, for uh, maybe six or seven years, I did the um, Los Angeles tarot circle. People uh, stayed with me for like six years, you know, and that's, and, and a lot of these people were therapist types. And uh, we just had tremendous, tremendous time exploring and uh, different, different kinds of focuses through the, uh, the tarot cards using, you know, appreciating um, the uh, synchronicity that arises uh, in divination, uh, appreciating with the tarot how it points to multiple levels of uh, reality or, or meaning mm. and how rich um, uh, tarot is uh, in, in terms of opening up dimensions of experience. Um, so I've done that, um, and then also I would say, uh, well, then I, then I began my, um, uh, my, my major book, which is called Tarot and Psychology, mm -hmm. Spectrums of Possibility, uh, which I published in the year 2000, and is still in print now, um, and uh, included in, in my book, uh, in the last three chapters, is... Uh, something that I call the Tarot Research Project, which um, was something I did a number of years earlier uh, where I uh, actually 
study the um, uh, the subject of domestic violence as seen through the lens of tarot and synchronicity. And that was also quite interesting. I, I uh, got permission to go into various programs. Uh, in one program, there was maybe 100 male offenders, perpetrators, um, that were required, court-mandated. And uh, I gave a little spiel and asked for volunteers to participate in a, a research project on tarot cards. And these, these gentlemen, I thought I was probably really crazy. You know, was psychologists coming into it. And I, said, I told them that the, uh, the, the one criteria is it, they had to focus their reading on their domestic violence. And uh, so then I did a, an elaborate study around uh, the reading, seeing if I could uh, find certain patterns that would connect uh, that multiple people tended to have who suffered from this particular syndrome. And uh, so that was what, and in fact, there were some very interesting uh, results there, uh, which I, I've written about in that book. I also went into uh, women's shelters and offered the same, the same challenge to uh, abused women, battered women. And then again, um, I exhaustive, exhaustively uh, analyzed the tarot spreads that they each did, looking for if there were patterns in particular positions in a uh, Celtic cross spread, for instance. Um, and if so, what, what that might tell us about uh, domestic violence coming through in this kind of synchronistic channel. So that, that, was, that, was, that was a really interesting project. And um, then I, I was just to kind of update you to the present, um, uh, you know, I, I am in private practice. I, I do uh, sample therapy um, as well as uh, tarot sometimes. Mostly, I'm a I'm your nuts and bolts mainstream psychologist. I, um, many of my clients don't even know I do the tarot. Quite honestly, uh, they may see some kind of weird stuff on my walls. But um, uh, though, um, I would say now about half my clientele um, are well aware of, of my tarot um, interests, and um, uh, some have you know asked for readings, which you know, I, I'm always happy to offer um, uh, a number of them now uh, come in their therapy session. And more often than not, we'll say, can we just do a reading? And so this is right now, uh, I would say the, the thing that I'm, I'm doing the most with the tarot and, uh, on an everyday level in, in work uh, is seeing how interesting it is for uh fairly high-functioning adults like business people or you know, professionals, teachers, etc., who are in some kind of uh, psychotherapy, like many people do for growth or, you know, couples counseling or something like that, um, how when they choose to breathe, uh, bring their issue that they were coming in with that day into a tarot reading instead of a normal talk therapy, um, Really interesting what what happens. I mean, so we will do a, a whole spread and have it on the table, um, and I'll interpret it for maybe the first uh, you know fifteen twenty minutes, um, 
and the way I, I like to work with it until it becomes very, very uh, transparent and clear what the, and then we will just continue our therapeutic dialogue um, coming out of uh, a lot of the, the reading and uh, make use of the cards that are right there on the table as we go more deeply into the, uh, you know, into, into the conversation about whatever it is. Mm. Um, it strikes me that tarot is such a, a tremendous gateway into those kind yes. of conversations, you know, where yep. people, you know, even people are coming to you, obviously looking for these kinds of things. But I find even with people who maybe aren't officially looking for this kind of stuff as well, that it really, um, you know, helps access that stuff and helps put them in a, in a frame of mind and a, and a, a level of awareness where all of a sudden things that they would not otherwise choose to work on emerge and they choose to work on them, which is, I think really fascinating. That's, 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 that's totally true. And, uh, often I have that experience with people that have never even thought of what, never even knew what tarot was. And I might suggest, um, you know, we could, uh, we might try another way of, of dealing with this today. And, um, I'd like to show you some, some cards we can, um, uh, there's a way of working with them that might be helpful. And they say, would you be open to it? And they say, yeah, let's try it. And most often people are blown away, quite honestly, because um, the, as any tarot uh, professional has learned by now, uh, the cards are always right. <laughs> the cards are always right. And I, I believe I understand why they're always right, uh, which is um, a very controversial controversial. Um, Question. I mean, a lot of the writers and commentators over the years about uh, tarot and tarot divination conclude that even though we know the tarot works, we don't know how it works. Mm. <laughs> and um, but I I have my own theory about that. And um, basically, my my theory is. Um, I, I once wrote a, uh, an essay by this, by, by this very same title, is that um, we are all walking tarot decks. <laughs> and the, the tarot is, you know, the, uh, the, the prima materia of human experience. Mm. So we, it cannot but be accurate because... These are universal experiences that is the very makeup of who we are. Now, the word accurate is, is, the, is the tricky piece. Mm -hmm. uh, because accuracy, when you think about it, makes little sense when you say, well, was the reading accurate? Now, who's to say what accuracy is? Accurate compared to what? And, you know, a... A psychological evaluation, a self-report, um, uh, what your what your mother said about you, you know what you know what is quote accurate. Well, accurate is, no is when I leave the reading and I I meet the love of my life the following Thursday exactly as you had said I would. Right? Isn't that accurate? <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. No, that's that is accurate. Um, that happens. That does happen. That certainly happens. But um, what I think almost always happens, you know, that doesn't happen every time, you know, yeah. and I, I usually don't 
make predictions. I'm not a, a predictor in, in, in my style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I make suggestions, but not predictions. Um, uh, I don't see. I don't read about the future because I don't believe the future exists. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the future is just a construct. Everything is happening now, and um, so the future of the now—that's uh, something I might work with. But the, the point I, w- I, w- I was I was making, Andrew, is, is that um, what every tarot reading is, is, if not accurate, what it is is relevant. Mm-hmm. When you when you come away from it, and you you know you, you know someone who's maybe new at it, you say, well, did that did, did that speak to you? You know, but you know, uh, you know, like was that relevant or helpful? Um, Always, the answer is yes. It was definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's all well and good. I mean, that's that's nice. I'm I'm sure that uh, many many techniques might have similar types of you know efficacy. However, we got to remember that tarot comes out of this magical realm that, that we we call now synchronicity, but. This is this is, or random randomness, mm-hmm. which is a you know is you know a, a questionable construct whether there really is uh, randomness or what randomness really is about. Um, so, is something that then, when you think about it, then connects you to a sense of. Um, Another plane of awareness where you see that, wow, things are kind of interconnected and in some strange way, there is a, you know, there's a kind of a magical uh, layer uh, going on, which I'm not aware of most of the time, where I can just randomly, quote, randomly pick some cards and invariably they're, they're going to be, quote, relevant mm-hmm. that's very interesting um and there's there, so it the gateway you mentioned gateway the gateway that the tarot is is um for me is um uh, it's it's the gateway to what we could might call either symbolic thinking or um intuition mm-hmm. um or um, trans, transpersonal psychology is what transpersonal psychology essentially is, or to um, uh, spirituality. And that's essentially what spirituality is. And, and, and the thing about the, the tarot, and I'm sure you, you probably have a similar experience, um, but as, especially as, as a therapist who's using it in that way, is... The tarot, the, the message that the tarot basically always gives when you come away is the tarot says um, you need to look at the spiritual dimension. Mm. You need to, um, it's pointing to uh, the spiritual dimension that, um, that you need to, uh, you know, explore and, and perceive. And that's, that's what the tarot, I think, does. It, 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 it opens up access to... Um, uh, lived, natural, organic spirituality. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I totally see that. You know, I, I spent uh, I spent a, a bunch of time a few years back, um, you know, exploring this how does tarot work notion, you know. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's sooner or later as a, as a reader, you're going to get asked it. And, you know, if you're, uh, if you're at all philosophically inclined, then you're going to think about it, you know. And, uh, oh. you know, so I wrote a whole bunch of different things about it, but uh, I kind of distilled it down to a sentence at the end. And, uh, and my sentence is that uh, tarot is an engine that runs on mystery and spits out truth. And what spits truth? Spits out truth. Spits out yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and I think this is you know some of what what we're getting at, right? At some point, yeah, it takes us it takes us yeah. beyond you know it's ink on paper, it's art, it's knowledge, it's you know this, it's that. But at some point, that all gels, or as you say, kind of opens up to other levels. You know, a, a coherence emerges from from the practice, exactly. and and in that coherence, we can see ourselves or see what we need or. You know, in, in the case of working with someone doing therapeutic work, they can help us see what we need to see. Yes. Yeah. And now the the thing that I sense, um, then just kind of my brief uh, or my long-winded uh, introduction, um, where my work went now uh, in the middle of the 2000s was in creating my own death, mm-hmm. which is uh, Tarot of the Nine Paths, and this this uh, was a three year project, um, which uh, was based on a a vision and a very strong instinct that I have had as a as a tarot you know scholar for many years that the uh, major arcana was incomplete, and that there was there would be a formula or an in, in internal code, if you will. Um, that would actually uh, reveal uh, the the kind of inner secret of of, of the of the uh, of the major canon of tarot, and also uh, through inference um, suggest the completing five cards that would be necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a it's and I wrote a book uh, that went with the deck, um, and the the thing that. that you know, comes back to our conversation about this deck. Uh, we call it TNP, short for Tarot of the Nine Paths. Uh, not being trained per se as an artist, um, uh, I needed to find a medium that I could use artistically that produced uh, a, a card that I felt really worked, but I'm not a fine artist. So I came up with the idea um that I would make a deck out of um, sand clay therapy pieces from my uh, collection of, of, of sand clay, Jungian sand clay, which I collected for, you know, 15 years, a huge collection of, of objects and symbols, um, figurines. So um, then I did that, um, and, you know, each card is with, with then playing with it in, you know, using... Um, uh, digital art and Photoshop, et cetera, creating layers and all kinds of collaged effects. Um, this is the first uh, tarot deck that uh, was ever created out of three-dimensional figurines or sandplate therapy objects that I, that I know of, certainly. And so I, I have kind of blended my, um, my, my tarot work with the Jungian uh, 
sand play and Jungian dream work. And then, then, then there is finally uh, a new stream of interest over the last, you know, I would say six years. And I try to uh, do this with the deck as well. And that is um, uh, advanced uh, study and training um, in what is today called, uh, not widely known, uh, but called non-dual, non-dual therapy, mm. non-dual psychology. Um, it's kind of at right now. It's it's just in its in its early early stages. Uh, it's Buddhist based, um, but uh, non non dual uh, teachings in, include all the mostly Eastern non dual teachings, such as Zen, uh, various schools of, of um, Mahayana Buddhism, uh, Vedanta, uh, Taoism, and um, uh, so advanced forms of, of, of Tantra, things like this. And it is, uh, so this is opening up um, a way of working with people that is, uh, you could think of it which in, in, in the popular, um, you know, in the popular uh, uh, reference world, uh, it's the power of now. It's the power of now, which I think many, many people have read, which is a Wonderful work, wonderful piece of work. If you if you're not familiar mm-hmm. with Eckhart it, Eckhart Tolle, right? Eckhart Tolle, yes. But it's, it's it's a philosophy that is about um, presence. It's about um, now. Um, it's about going uh, penetrating powerfully the present moment. <laughs> and um, so, what I in, in my non-dual training, I took, you know, I took years of training with, uh, uh, with a teacher who has a, uh, a beautiful teaching called the, the Radiant Mind Training. Okay. And uh, Peter Fenner, the Australian psychologist and former Tibetan Buddhist monk of 10 years. Uh, brilliant teaching. So I've tried to bring in a non-dual, a non-dual um, way of working with tarot cards, which is also uh, the first time that's done, I believe. However, in uh, certainly in Tibetan Buddhism, uh, divination is a very common practice. You know, they, there's a, a, a tool called uh, mo that they dice. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they start, uh, the Tibetans are very open. So are all the Easterners. You know, I, I taught a, uh, an all-day seminar in New Delhi, over Christmas in the uh, 2009, and I was just amazed at how obvious and easy the tarot just flowed with, you know, Indian culture. Well, it's one of those things, right? Once you once you step out of the the sort of Western structures of knowledge and what is valid knowledge and how do you get to it, right? You know, once you move beyond that stuff and into other cultures and other practices, it's amazing how much um, they they look for truth that is backed up by experience yeah. as opposed to necessarily like concretely provable, such as, such as mm-hmm. that term applies to academic circles, you know? Yeah, it's Western science. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that, that sort of openness and that, you know, series of experiences, you know, I mean... What, what you're speaking about reminds me of uh, all of my years of study in Western mystery traditions, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, I mean, it's not identical, obviously, the practices and so but on. They, they, 
there's non-duality in them as yeah, well. Because that that is the that is the point, right? You, your your goal is to move firmly and permanently into the now, and right. and out of your sense of separation from the world, and then mm-hmm. to live there as much time as you can manage. Right? You know, that's the the mystic yeah, path, that's, right? That's right. So yeah, so one of the um, so my teach one of the uh, challenges I was working one on one with with my non dual teacher, um, and he was when I was when I was uh, coming out with this deck, and he he uh, was really interested in how I was going to adapt it to uh, non dual therapy, non dual practices, and so there was a number of ways that that seemed. Um, like really, really obvious connections. But one that I, I I find very important and relevant is how, from a from a uh, non-dual perspective, um, how uh, meaning is paradoxical. Mm. That paradox is is very central to non-dual non-dual teachings, and particularly when we talk about meaning uh, with a capital M meaning in in that meaning is both um, meaningful and empty. <laughs> and so meaning is both has meaning and has no meaning mm-hmm. simultaneously. It's paradoxical. So when we do a reading from, from this perspective, we, we, can, we can see at once, or we can even break it down into two layers, that on one layer, it does nothing but... Um, Generate meaning. That's what uh, that's what you know. This whole system does. That's what symbols do. You know, the way we respond to them, they generate all kinds of uh, you know associations and understandings and things like mm-hmm. this. At the same time, uh, we also can recognize that um, these these things that we call meaning are um, thoughts and feelings. And ultimately, um, they are um, uh, transitory and, and uh, non-existent, really. And that we can't, in a way, it's just a, it's just a mental realm that they, they generate. So at the same time, something can be both meaningful and without meaning at the same time. And holding both that paradox is a very rich way of perception. Mm-hmm. So tarot, uh, particularly with my deck, which is kind of designed for this, can be a great um, container or um, uh, holder of this kind of paradoxical view, because mm-hmm. the, the pictures are, are, are you know are set and you can contemplate. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talked last, I was probably. Um, you know, it was four years ago I had you on the podcast. And when we talked last, that was probably the tail end of my uh, Toth era of of many, uh-huh. many years. And yes. the, the beginning of my real journey into working with the Tarot de Marseille. And, mm-hmm. you know, over the, the last four years, um, the the journey into the, the working with the Marseille style decks has been one of erasing meaning, you know, erasing mm-hmm. structure. What's that? Yeah. Me also, yeah. Uh, thanks to the help of Enrique. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, it was very. And yeah, yeah. So, so whereas before a card would be more likely to have concrete meanings, 
Um, you know, unless I was doing open-ended question-based work, but you know, um, now I'm like, who knows what, right? I'll look at a card and it has all these levels. It's, it is the, the page of cups, right? But you know, maybe part of their shirt looks like an ear and maybe that's the conversation and maybe this and maybe that, and they become so loose and possible. And yet it's it's deconstructed. Yeah. And yet at the same time, you know, because I always get these questions, especially because I I run a store here in Toronto. Right. So people are coming in and buying decks and talking to me about it. And they're always like, well, what does this card mean? And I'm like, I don't know if, (laughs) if we were sitting here in a reading, I could tell you what it means in this moment. But in terms of the, the meaning of the card, I don't even know that I can answer that any longer well and there, that, there you have it with that meaning the paradox behind meaning that, that i was just referring to because uh uh meaning is meaningless <laughs> out of out of the the, the framework that, that we give mm-hmm. it and so uh it's all interesting that's all interesting right yeah and it's, and you know it, it, it taps into the idea uh, certainly coming out of uh out of buddhism of um no mind and um, uh, not knowing the the um, the wisdom of not knowing mm-hmm. very very high state highly a very advanced state of consciousness is is, is understood as not knowing mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's kind of like what you're you're, you're referring to in, in another way you know? yeah you know you enter this space where anything could happen. You know, I, I was doing a, a reading for someone a little while back and um, this uh, somebody came into the store and, and I had to go out and talk to them for a moment. And I forget the exact framework of the, their their what they were saying to me. But basically what they, the person who came into the store said was, I feel like this grandparent is cursing me and I want to know how to fix it. And I said, well, I'm with a client right now doing a reading. I can't help you come back another time and I will, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we could have a mm-hmm. conversation about that. And so I go back mm-hmm. into the session with the person. We've got these cards on the table and whatever. And I, I just kind of look up to them like, so this person just came in and asked a question on your behalf, right? And so I said, you know, what, what about one of your grandparents do you feel like has been a burden or a curse to you in your life? And all of a sudden they're like, you know, tears and everything goes and there's that magic super synchronicity that can happen in those moments, right? It's so astounding when it happens so overtly, right? It is so, so astounding. I, and I, I often, um, I often can feel it coming. Um, and I even, I even say, I, I just, I just have a feeling this card here is, you know, we're just, uh, is, is you watch it is, and invariably it is. And I, I, uh, just a really very, very intense card. I remember, a funny story. Uh, once, I was reading um, at a huge um, New Year's Eve party, uh, black tie New Year's Eve party in Palm Springs, mm-hmm. with a, a group of like ten psychics, and each one of us. This was a very you know very you know rich display in this huge restaurant, and each reader had their own individualized tent. You know, it was it was just incredible. And um, this this gentleman sits down, you know, kind of middle aged gentleman, and uh, um, he asks for a New Year's Eve uh, reading. And I said, sure. And we're going. We're doing. We're doing a, a you know a ten card reading, and um, it's all going you know as a reading goes, fine. And uh, finally, 
I get to the last card and I introduce it like and um, kind of like the you know, the signature of this coming year for you will be the kind of the major theme of this coming year for you will be. I turn it over and it's the fool. Okay, so you know that we know we all love the fool, the fool's great card. But um, the the man looks down and he had this this really really uh, almost uh, slightly evil kind of grin on his face and it just and I was wondering wow what, what could that mean what is it wonder what he's thinking so I, I turned to him and I said um, I'm just curious sir because um, we had been talking about his his job without even talking what is it that you do and he said oh I'm a brain surgeon <laughs> so, so uh, yeah I was just wondering what what he was thinking there mm-hmm. you know that fool card so yeah you, you never know yeah. never know Mm-hmm. So I guess one of the things that I'm really curious about is this multi-dimensional piece, you know, because mm-hmm. I think that, uh, I, I mean, I, I love it and I feel like I have some sense of it, but I'd love to hear you talk about um, what are what are the, like, are there, there the most common levels at which you sort of approach things? Is it just kind of open-ended where you let the the reading and the person determine which which levels it goes to, um, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Levels. You're talking about levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm talking about both, but, but levels is a good place to start, and then maybe we can drift into more mystical notions after. Right. Right. Um, well, there's you – know, certainly you, you could reference various uh, you know, systems uh, of uh, levels, different, different types of uh, – you, know, uh, you know, you can talk about – Jungian levels or Freudian levels, or then you can go into transpersonal levels like Ken Wilber's work, you know, go into you know, the astral, the causal, and, and higher uh, spiritual levels. Um, and um, in, in some ways, um, you can, you know, you can determine just by uh, the card structurally uh, a level, you know, if, if it's a major, if it's a trump card, you're, you're talking more on an archetypal level. Uh, if it's if it's a, uh, you know, if it's a court card, you're you're talking more on an uh, an adult development developmental level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's if it's uh, you know a pip, you're probably just talking about more on an existential level, on a, on a everyday uh, life level. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that way of determining. Um, what is your um, when you think of multi dimensions? What what do you refer to there? So I mean, for me, um, the cards exist on a spiritual level, right? Mm-hmm. And there is um, the the card itself, the energetic exchange between me and the person who's sitting there, and possibly other consciousnesses that might kick into that. Mm-hmm. Then there's the there's we're looking at it at a psychological level. I'm always looking at it at a, you know what does this mean about this person's psychology? How does it tell me about their state of mind and where they're coming from? Um, and then uh, you know and then it comes from a more existential level, you know. And then finally there's you know uh, I've been reading the cards for thirty years and so there's all this knowledge level stuff that 
that might also mm-hmm. sort of flow into the reading. But those are those are like the the big multi-dimensional levels that I'm. You probably also do is um, reversals. Reversals open up the shadow. You know, they open up the shadow side, all of uh, possibilities, and um, that's a whole other level as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, it's reversals are not something I really work with. You know, mm-hmm. I um, I think mostly because I started reading uh, Toth and Crowley stuff, and he didn't teach them, so I spent so long not reading them. Um, that I that I often don't look at them now, but I but if I'm looking at the shadow work or the shadow stuff that I'm looking for holes in the reading, or holes in the conversation, mm-hmm. you know what what are they not saying? What are they you know what what's in the middle between everything that we're talking about that that makes them uncomfortable as we edge towards it? You know, I, I'm looking forward yeah. in the conversation and the exchange. That's that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, you you don't need to do reversals if you look at you know. Uh, both sides, mm-hmm. you know, the said and the unsaid, uh, with just uh, you know upright cards. That's that's. Um, I like I do like reversals, um, uh, though I don't. It's hard to use them in my deck, and it's hard to use them in, in, in the trumps as much. But um, you know, for instance, I did a reading uh, this morning, and um, the the it was. Um, it, it was amplifying a dream mm-hmm. that uh, someone had, and um, in the uh, before they went to bed the night before, they they at my suggestion they pulled a card and um, had that card um, in in some way be the significator of the dream to come. Mm-hmm. So the card that she pulled was the devil reversed. Okay. Okay. So then she um, she shared this very remarkable dream that was I won't go into the uh, specifics, but um, and it, it the the thing that that I came away with and in, in my in my interpretation was that the the reversal of the devil underscored the unconscious side of devil devilhood. Mm. As opposed to the conscious side of devilhood, where maybe you're you're working on, say, you're working on your shadow work consciously, mm-hmm. or you're looking at things like addiction, deception, you know, uh, attachment issues like that. And that's that's you know that's the devil that you know. Mm-hmm. With the reversal, it points to the devil that you don't know, and so from that, basically from that vantage point, the dream uh, really uh, really spoke volumes. Uh, about pointing to the you know the shadow the unconscious shadow for her, mm-hmm. so the reversal is very useful. Yeah, I, I love um, I love it when people's you know the I often use the term resistance right you know from um, from the war of art and from you know uh, the, those things you know this sort of that piece that has this sort of level of control and is always seeking to hide just out of sight right and exert its control yeah. you know and th- yeah. i think that that's some of that devil reversed right you know it's it's, it's a, like yeah, why did i why did i eat that bag of chips before i even processed that i didn't want to eat that bag of chips oh yeah. there you yeah. are yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Hmm. yeah yeah i i love i love the way you know the the fact that we can go to so many different places and levels i'm curious when you're working with people and they're doing this kind of work with you 
are you giving them or are they buying a copy of your deck and working with your deck in relationship to you or are they working with whatever tarot cards they might have? Occasionally someone will, will, will buy my deck, but most often not. Um, I, you know, I use uh, a number of different decks. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on uh, who's, who's being read. Usually someone who is just starting with, with the tarot experience or dealing with ordinary kind of life therapeutic issues. I'll use like a, a rider weight deck, for instance, or uh, I like the new Palladini. And there's uh, sometimes, and some people who are working with, uh, Meditation and that sort of thing. I might use the Osho Zen, um, and but people who are um, in, deeply into pro, into their uh, deep process, uh, they're doing dream works or they're they're really wanting to do that kind of depth work. Um, I find that actually that my own deck uh, TMP is is the, the most uh, powerful for that because it just. It just speaks on that level so much. So it depends on where the person is. Yeah. Well, and certainly, too, if they're choosing to work with you, then choosing to work mm-hmm. with your deck makes a, a ton of sense because it is an extension of your process yeah. and practice, right? Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious about the, the sand play piece, you know, and, and – what what really i mean to me the notion of people doing sand play is like the notion of um putting the cards out and letting them arrange them as they want and, and play with them and see but I, but i know that there's more to it than that as well, well right there's, there is a distinction yeah. um the distinction i would make it's 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 more like um uh fanning the cards face down and uh as, as I as I do, and having the the uh, querent um, one at a time uh, draw the card that somehow they're just led to, mm-hmm. that they're just instinctively drawn to, and to be real aware of that, not just to pick any old card, mm-hmm. but to, uh, trust something, some subtle um, inclination to pick this card. Um, that's kind of the the, the uh, mind state of picking. Sand play objects. Mm. It's you know it's really discouraged to come up with an idea ahead of time, and yeah. um, so basically the instruction is um, let the let the objects pick you. Mm-hmm. So I have someone you might see in the yeah. background here. You probably see my my my, my shelves. Um, so a, a person will go um, and really discourage you know trying to trying consciously to make something. Mm-hmm. And they'll just um, just stand quietly before uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these different images, these different little objects, little figures and animals and uh, religious symbols and all kinds of interesting stuff. Um, and listen to their own uh, intuitive psyche to guide them to uh, selection. It's like, for some reason, I... I just I want to pick this one and put it in the box, and they go back, and so they just continue to tune into this this um, what's called uh, pure play. This is the this is the instinctive pure play of the child. Mm. Yeah, um, and we're talking about we're talking about of the four year old, three or four year old, and um, that that you know what what Jung uh, was 
so so clear about is that um, there is an autonomous capacity in the unconscious for healing itself. Mm-hmm. It makes a, a contact with this intuitive, uh, spontaneous play. It's it, it uh, actually it it is a kind of a, a equilibrium, an equalizer, or I don't know how you say that, but um, it just uh, creates a deep sense of inner um, balance in um, in kind of creative expression, mm-hmm. and so a person's then instructed make a scene. Make a scene in the box. That's the only instruction. So they, they have these, these individual objects, and they sit down at their chair, and they I'll put this here and this. I also have a, a jug of water. I said, if you want to pour water in the sand to mold it, so you can do that. And some, some elect to do that because the, the bottom of the sandbox is painted blue, mm. as the sides are. So that allows you to make, like, lakes and water elements and things like that. And it is... Really, really remarkable. Um, so they, they they make this kind of scene. It, it may not be. It's kind of like a dream because it's got no scale to it. You know, there's you know, big animals and small trees mm-hmm. and all sorts of assortment of weird things, like a dream. And um, then I will simply when they're done, I say, okay, uh, um, tell me what you created. Tell me about what you create. And I would just take notes. And they will all of a sudden just tell their story of of what they created. And in doing so, they uh, typically are going more deeper and deeper into feelings, deep, repressed feelings, mostly for adults, because I use this mostly with adults. And uh, and I went through a year of sand play therapy myself as as, as a client. Mm -hmm. Oh, how powerful it is! It is an incredible way of accessing emotion. Surprisingly enough, and a lot of a lot of particularly repressed men who do it, who would never think of doing something like this, you know, business guys, whatever. Um, they they come out uh, shaken to the mm. core or emotional in ways that they, they will, will blow you away. Mm. So, you know, sand play has that capacity. In, in ways that I would like to see tarot have more mm. of that. Yeah, I can see that. It's interesting that, I mean, I, I want to sidetrack for a second here. You know, the piece about uh, working with men, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the second mm-hmm. time it's surfaced in our conversation, right? You know, yeah. about yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the people who are in custody for, for, for being, yes. uh, for doing assault and, you know, and, and in this context and, what I what I've noticed, uh, you know, this is this the maybe synchronous piece is that um, in the past month or so, and, and although it's been on my mind before that, a bunch of men who I would never imagine would want to talk about their feelings, right, yes. have yeah. have come in for readings, um, you know, come back for another reading, and I've basically just said during the second reading, I'm like, I I don't think there's any value in us coming and sort of doing a more you know traditional. This is your life. This is where it's going. You know, kind of reading. What I what I think would be fruitful would be for for us to, you know, uh, bring in a little bit of uh, mystical exercise, meditation. You know, whatever. We will look at the cards. Mm-hmm. We'll steer the conversation with it. And 
and um, and they've been saying yes, and they've been coming yes. back, and they've yes. been, you know, opening up, which is fascinating, you know. And so I'm, I'm curious it, what you have to say in relationship to that. Well, I, I know well what what you're speaking of, and um, uh, you know the one thought about that is, um, and I saw I saw this years ago when I. Um, was doing readings for these um, major uh, tech corporate Christmas party type events where they had, you know, like 500 people, employees from all around the country flown in and, and they'd have, you know, different types of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, once we were doing some, some major high tech firm and I, I had my little tarot table up and, you know, of course, you know, the, the man and their wives and dates, you know, they're, you know, having some cocktails and they're being, you know, really full of themselves, et cetera. And, and these are engineer types particularly. Mm-hmm. And um, they come up to my little table and they say, oh, what, what, what is this? You know, kind of in, in kind of a condescending kind of way. Uh, this, this looks silly or this looks stupid or whatever. And I, I said, Taro, would you like to sit down and have a reading? And they say, yeah, sure. I'll tell you just about every time. Once after the first card got turned and I started talking to them, the smiles and everything just disappeared and they were straining to listen and hear what was coming through. And as the cards went, it's just see on their faces that it was like they were they were tapping into some deep, deep truth in themselves. And at the I mean it always happens. And at the end, you know, they very uh, politely thanked me very much for the reading. He said, that, that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I got a lot out of that, surprisingly. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing. So that it's ego, it's only, you know, this ego, uh, which is such a joke, but it's, um, it's all, you know, ego, persona, and all the uh, enculturated uh, male image deals in the, in this in the way boys are raised, etc., um, in this culture particularly, mm. uh, that men uh, are have you know inherited and are, are products of. Uh, but you know, I, I I often have a conversation with with their wives and females. You know, uh, particularly their wives in couples therapy. I often find myself saying that um, it's not that he doesn't have feelings <laughs> because he, you know, she says, well, what are you feeling? You know, it's that for most men, it takes, it's really hard to locate mm. them. It takes time. It's like, well, let, let, give me a couple of hours and let me sit with it. And maybe, maybe I'll be able to actually, you know, discover yeah. it. But, but, but the thing is, even though they don't have easy access because they haven't been conditioned to around feelings, men have a very rich feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's hard to access, men have a, a, a very men are, are very sentimental and uh, emotional and uh, you know uh, gentle in some ways, or uh, you know they have uh, as well as you know repressed and, and angry and all mm-hmm. of that. But men, men are, are, are complex feelers um they just have a hard time typically 
um, in accessing feelings. Yeah, well, the what you were saying about the sand play and, and really kind of some of the stuff that I see with the tarot it reminds me of something. I was talking to this uh, guy who um, he works with uh, at-risk male youth, you know, mm-hmm. people who are in, in, in bad situations and, and surrounded by things that might make it a lot worse. And, um, yes. you know, he said, he said when it comes to working with men and especially when it comes to working with youth, his experience has been that if the context is healing, then it's hard. But if the context is something else, but the person facilitating it, their agenda is healing, then it's a whole lot more possible, you know? Oh, that's so interesting. You know? That's really interesting. Yeah. Because of the resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah men don't, men don't, uh, are uh, don't want to be um, controlled or changed because they're, you know, they're so controlled and, um, and uh, their egos are, are um, often uh, male egos are often based on how much control they have, how much self-control they have, how much they know who they are. They know what they're about. They know what they'll do. They're ready to action, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of uh, it, it kind of cal- uh, calcifies or uh, ossifies. Um, there, ossifies. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah. It does. It, it, it's, and it's a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the theories in, in the tarot is um, that um, uh, with the compared to standard playing cards, is that with the uh, uh, absence of the um, of the knights. In playing cards, you know, so we, we've grown up in, you know, in, in, in modern culture with, you know, in playing cards with the king, queen, jack, mm-hmm. right? Um, that um, it, it has most likely some unconscious, um, uh, it's kind of an unconscious uh, epiphenomena or, or of the trend of the last uh, 800 years of Western culture that has um, removed the night, uh, which is really about uh, male men's initiation, uh, boys' initiation into manhood, mm. and uh, and how that was uh, traditionally a a, a crucial uh, rite of passage, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, terribly lacking. Uh, on the uh, depth level in modern culture, I mean, we have we have sports and we have teams and things like that, and, and that's all good. But in terms of kind of uh, like going on a vision quest sure. or something like that, um, yeah, we we don't have we don't have a, a the knight uh, card in our modern decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like the recreational use of drugs and psychedelics and whatever. You know, without the guidance piece, it's it, right. it may lead but you somewhere, but it may it may just lead you nowhere, right? That, that's right. That's right. It's it's kind of a um, it's an unconscious desire for that um, alternative level of um, depth perception. Mm-hmm. Um, drugs give you a, kind of a, the uh, a, you know some some sense of that, but there is, like you say, there's. There's, there's really no teaching and no guidance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that absence of um, I don't know, role models feels like too simple a word for it. But you know, the connection to people who 
who have the experience to initiate, right? You know, I mean, it's the it's the it's the absence of um, the the hierophant in the most positive sense, right? That's you know, right. Un, under That's the legacy of you know the Pope, which for for many people, I mean, although our new the new Pope is is maybe kind of interesting, but you know that that yeah, Pope yeah. legacy and that that sort of suppression legacy, right? Well, I saw, I, there was a, a a really interesting and for me somewhat uh, bro, uh, problematic uh, event uh, last weekend mm-hmm. or weekend last uh, that I attended in um, Orange County, California, the 80th birthday party of the Dalai Lama. Okay, and uh, it was a sold out event. Whenever he comes to Southern California, it's always sold out. You know, in a big, giant, like sports. Uh, Theater and um, I've, I've uh, experienced the Dalai Lama many times, and he's one of the great human beings, mm-hmm. you know. But the comment that I would make is this was different than his usual uh, thing because what they did to celebrate his birthday, they they invited a whole bunch of various types of people that are fans or students of the Dalai Lama and, and are very successful in their own right to kind of come up and do their do their spiel about the Dalai Lama. And it, it was actually filled with all kinds of Hollywood types. Mm. So we had uh, George Lopez and we had MC Hammer. Right. <laughs> and uh, they were, they're really cool. I mean, they're, they were good. And we had some rock, rock stars up there. Um, and then they also had some Nobel laureates and people like that. But, I I had the feeling, and a number of people did also, that it was too um, Hollywoodized. Mm-hmm. You know, why why is it? Now, here's a person that's totally about transformation and consciousness and healing. Why do why are the uh, you know the Hollywood types, uh, the TV stars, up on stage now telling us about their stories in spiritual transformation? Yeah. You know, there are people who spend their whole lives, and that's their talent doing it. Um, why do we give in this culture so much importance and credit to our, um, you know, our entertainers? Mm-hmm. Well, and there's such a piece about, um, you know, because because uh, uh, for me, right, I'm a. Um, there's a part of me that's a spiritual literalist, right? I believe that the Dalai Lama is the you know, 14th incarnation of that person. Literally, I believe that it is true. Um, And, you know, I had the, the, um, so, you know, many of these levels, I take these things as being literally true and that that brings a certain thing. And uh, I I got to meet the Dalai Lama briefly when I was in India a number of years ago. And I, I lined up with thousands of other people and he's in Dharamsala. In Dharamsala. In Dharamsala. Yeah. And, yeah, I was and he stood in the, in the courtyard, you know, and people lined up and walked up and you got to shake his hand and he blessed you. And, and maybe he spoke to some people and maybe he didn't. And, you know, before I went, I was on my way and I was talking to a shopkeeper, right? And, and he said to me, um, I was like, oh, aren't you going to go? The Dalai Lama's doing a thing today. And he's like, no, no, no. I've already met him. And he lives right here all the time now. And I was like, okay. And, you know, and I went and I met him. And 
the 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 transference of, of spending that you know brief moment with him um, yeah. has marked me to this day. And when I feel overwhelmed by the the misery of the world and human events, I can stop and I can uh, focus on my heart and picture his face, and I can transcend that for a period of time. And I, yeah, I I know exactly. I've had the same experience with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. Uh, and I got to sit in a small room with him at, at, at his home with about uh, eight or nine others mm. for an hour. And uh, it was um, just uh, extraordinary. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, and that, and that's that, that, you know, I mean, I don't know if he can bless a stadium full of people in one shot and, and have that impact or not. But, um, but to me, that would be way more interesting and way more... Uh, mm-hmm. furthering his agenda, right? You know? Well, you know, uh, with the Dalai Lama, I did attend with my family, uh, my two teenage kids and my, my uh, wife, and uh, his uh, Kala Chakra training, mm-hmm. which is his seven-day uh, intensive training, uh, seven days uh, of this uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, advanced training in uh, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. Um, with uh, about uh, I don't know ten or fifteen thousand people in that, uh, but getting up every morning and sitting through um, these teachings for you know, nine hours a day, very rigorous. And yeah, I mean, I think I think that that was definitely a transmission on mm-hmm. on that scale. Yeah, that that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So let's let's bring this back around to. The tarot and and uh, and 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 some of the other stuff that you're doing. I guess I'm I'm curious about the role because uh, a lot of what we've been talking about has been sort of very um, open ended and, and not indirect, but allowing the synchronicities to direct it, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm curious how transmission in your way fits into what you're doing with people, or if it does. Yeah, it does definitely it does. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, the actually in, in one, one, one answer to that is uh, actually in my star card, which uh, in my deck, it is, I mean, it is so obviously a transmission itself where it has essentially a, a, a green Tara, a statue of green Tara, you know, the, the mother of all the Buddhas and a kind of a traveler human being and they have light beams going from their forehead, their speech center and their heart center back and forth. So that is a, a light uh, transmission mm-hmm. uh, in, in the star card itself. Um, so um, that, that's, that's a short answer to that question. Um, I, I think that when, uh, when you read properly, in other words, you first establish a, uh, a heart connection to uh, the reading, to the, to the motivation behind the reading, to the, um, and, and you take a few moments to um, maybe meditate or, or just uh, go inward. Um, uh, the transmission begins as soon as you hear the first shuffle of the mm-hmm. cards. Even, even the shuffling of the cards... Uh, begins this kind of entrainment, uh, almost this light hypnotic state. And um, I think 
just um, actually uh, the act of opening opening uh, you know to to divination it's it's like uh, casting your fate to the wind hmm. you know it's it's saying um, you know it's, it's turning it over to a higher power hmm. as, as a it, it truly is whether you're fully aware that that's what you're doing we're hardly aware at all it's it is happening mm-hmm. and the more aware that you are the more open you are in receiving a tarot reading the more um palpable um the energetics of the experience if you will uh are feel like a transmission and what what's being transmitted is um It's it's the pure tarot. Hmm. It's it is it is the um, uh, you know it, it is well you can't really say what it is, but it is <laughs> you know but it is it is uh, tarot that is being transmitted. And tarot is the compendium of uh, what, what you know Jungians might call the archetypes of transformation. Mm. Okay. So, um, uh, that are, you know, blueprinted in the, uh, basic seeds, of, and of, uh, the human psyche from the time immemorial, actually it goes before the human being in, um, all through evolution. Uh, those blueprints that are, were actually, uh, calibrated, if you can use that word, um, to resolve in um, enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what we're tapping into. I like it. You know, <laughs> I, I often, um, you know, I mean, I think there there are two ways that I would put it in my own language, which is uh, one, when I sit down to do a reading, I I connect completely to the now. You know, yeah. which I think is a different way of saying the same thing, maybe, or something very similar. And the other thing that I, or the other way that I put it with people, especially if they're um, critical of parts of themselves, is is I say, you know, look, I'm going to show up and I'm going to bring my whole self, and you show up and you bring your whole self, and all of that mm. gets to be welcome with the cards, and then Good. we'll see where it goes. You know. In- that is the same thing. I mean, um, literally talking about the whole self with a capital S mm-hmm. self. That is essentially the same thing that I was describing. Yeah. That's awesome. You may not have had that, that kind of technical um, uh, level to it, but uh, on any level, yeah, being, being uh, present uh, in um, wholeness, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for making time to to hang out with me today and have this conversation. Um, for for folks who are looking to connect with you, where's the the best place for them to to check out what you're doing and connect with you online? Um, my website, and that's simply moonlightcounseling.com. Perfect. Or you can use my name, ArtRosengarten.com. Will take you to the same place. Awesome. 
that's how you, you can get in touch. Great. I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes and stuff. Excellent. Well, I enjoyed it. It was yeah, great. Thank you so much. You too. Me too. So I want to thank you for listening as always. And, uh, you know, if there's uh, someone you'd like to see or if you have feedback or questions around uh, what was going on here, then uh, please do check it out. Uh, I also want to uh, mention that uh, coming up in the fall of 2015, I'll be uh, putting together a course on tarot and magic or magic for tarot readers, uh, which will be online, uh, as well as uh, art and uh, some other lovely teachers. Uh, will be uh, helping me run a course on tarot and psychology, which will roll out in uh, the end of January 2016. Um, so if those things catch your eye and you're looking to learn more, then uh, you know please do uh, come and check them out. And uh, certainly there are already a bunch of great classes up on my website at thehermitslamp.com uh, of things that I've already put on. Thanks for listening. Drop me a line. Let me know what you're up to. I'm always curious to hear. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.